Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's June 19th, 1987, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. At a press conference teasing his first foray into TV production, Prince Edward was very clear. The games will be slightly different from the old It's a Knockout, he assured the press. We've deliberately kept a sense of decorum. Well, what we finally got when the Grand Knockout Tournament, better known as It's a Royal Knockout, actually aired today in history in 1987, was meatloaf chasing celebrities dressed as vegetables, Tom Jones in obscenely form-fitting tights, and Jenny Agutter throwing plastic hams at Christopher Reeve. <laughs> yeah, so this was at a time when the royal family was really trying to update its image and trying to show off a more kind of informal, vulnerable, relatable kind of a side to itself to shore up its popularity. And up popped Prince Edward, the youngest of Queen Elizabeth's sons, freshly returned from service with the Royal Marines, and he had plans to break into the TV industry, and this was how he was going to do it. Yeah, I mean, he was only 23 years old, and, you know, such is the privilege, literally, of being the Queen's son, that you can walk into the BBC, say, I've got an idea... (laughs) And they'll say, well, who's in it? And you could say, my entire family. And they'll say, sure, how much money do you need? Um, So (laughs) this thing got greenlit pretty rapidly, despite him being very, very young. And I think Mm -hmm. the youth chose to be masterminding a production on this scale. I think we should just explain what It's a Knockout Civilian Edition is before we Mm. explain the royal one. Because I remember this being on TV in 1987 and being completely confused by it because I was six And it hadn't been on telly. The normal version, It's a Knockout, hadn't been on telly since 1982. I mean, it was only five years after it had been axed, but that's, I mean, literally was my lifetime. (laughs) So it it was completely baffling to me. I remember walking to the sitting room and thinking, I know I'm sort of the target audience for this. Like, fun things are happening with giant foam statues, but I don't understand why this is happening. And it was happening because It's a Knockout was this huge hit, kind of of end-of-the-pier-style show ever since it made its debut in Britain in 1966. Yeah, it was based on this French format called Jeux Sans Frontiers, and it was basically just a slapstick a slapstick programme where members of the public would tackle obstacle courses, you know, they wore silly costumes, they fell into rivers, they threw custard pies at one another. It's a progenitor of Total Wipeout, or The yeah. Floor is Lava. Yeah, it doesn't scream royal family, but I think there's, a, <laughs> there's a bit of a Mandela effect around this, you know, when people misremember something and it just sort of gets carried away in pop culture. I think there's an idea that the royals themselves were taking part Banging in... Around. Yeah, yeah, they were all actually just team captains, but it was it was already undignified enough that they were there in the first place. 
Yeah, I mean, the fact that they're parading in and leading their teams to the various sort of sports day style games and then being present for them while they unfold in this sort of disastrous, I think is fair to say, way around them uh, is definitely that lack of dignity that was immediately the stick with which they were being beaten the after padded the foam thing stick. went out. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> after actually being beaten by a padded foam stick, yeah. Yeah, and but, you know, even from the beginning, uh, the Queen's biographer, Ben, and Pimlot, uh, he recalls that the Queen and pretty much everyone else around her thought that the whole thing was going to go badly. And one of the Queen's friends was quoted in his uh, biography of the Queen saying, it was a terrible mistake. She, the Queen, uh, was against it. But one of her faults was that she couldn't say no to anyone. And I think that's the problem here, that at no point did somebody say the sensible thing, which is, no, Edward, this is a disastrous idea. Well, <laughs> one person who clearly said that was, was Charles. Like, notably absent True. from this parade of young royals are Charles and I, who very wisely decided to stay at home. <laughs> um, who is there heading up the four teams that are competing for charity? You know, and there is very much that kind of, oh, it's for charity, let's go a bit crazy English thing going on, um, are Prince Edward, uh, Princess Anne, Prince Andrew, but also Sarah, Duchess of York in her own team. So the Yorks mm-hmm. are very well represented here. I must say, and I've watched the whole thing, um, from her entrance through to her inevitable victory, Princess Anne <laughs> is incredible. She gives no shits and she has cultivated a genuinely amusing stage presence on the basis that she's a bona fide Olympic medalist and an actual royal and this is beneath her and she's not going to try. And that is actually really, really funny. Like you really want That's- her to win. I don't think that's a stage persona. I think that was just what she actually thought. I, d- yeah. I don't think it's any coincidence at all that she's the one who's trying the least and coming off the best. You know, yeah. Sarah yeah. Ferguson is the one who's really giving it welly and trying to get involved. And she was absolutely savaged afterwards just yeah. for having the gall to act like she was interested in the proceedings. Yeah, there's an interesting quote from one of her memoirs, actually, where she says, quote, I might have mugged and cheered more freely than the rest, being such a fun-loving sort. Why should I be singled out as coarse and vulgar? What of Edward and Anne and Andrew, whose lead I was following? Why should I be blamed? Um, Which is pretty classic, uh, Fergie, kind of the world's out to get me stuff. I mean, actually, I think Edward probably was blamed more than everyone else because it was his idea. And looking Mm. back on the footage now, you know, when it starts, I was thinking, actually... I'm not going to just jump to conclusions. This is quite fun. It starts with an ironised voiceover by Rowan Atkinson. Then Barbara Windsor comes in as Lady Knock. Then you get Les Dawson and Sue Pollard. And you're kind of thinking, okay, this is like mad seaside stuff. This might just be crazy enough to work. And it's when the royal family come in that you're like, oh, no, this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) I think because Rowan Atkinson is in full Blackadder mode as well, you're like, well, that is a perfect fit. It sets the tone. We've got silliness in a royal court. You've got this sort of (laughs) fibreglass and foam castle behind them. Yeah, so it's a a set at Alton Towers, which international listeners should note is the biggest theme park in the UK, but is also built around an actual stately home. It's really weird. (laughs) And they've got like an actual historic (laughs) building at Alton Towers, but they built a fake castle for it. 
Yeah, it does make you think this is a country with no shortage of castles to call on. (laughs) Yeah, and everybody is dressed up, you know, from the celebrities to the royals to the spectators in a kind of campy, over-the-top medieval style. And again, it's like the royal theme is an obvious choice on one hand, but also (laughs) the nonsensical tackiness of it all does raise uncomfortable questions ultimately about the institution of the monarchy where you just think, don't pull on that thread. You know, (laughs) you're making a mockery of royalty in general. Like, don't put that in people's heads. Also, Ollie, you say Alton Towers is the biggest uh, theme park, but don't be mistaken and think that this is like a big budget affair. Everything (laughs) looks cheap. (laughs) And it's so confusing. I mean, like I said, I was confused when I was six, but I was confused when I was 42 also because I was watching it and thinking... If this was made now and not by Prince Edward, Mm. like a producer would intervene to, well, for a start, it should be on commercial television. It's just not a BBC show. I know that it had its pedigree of being on the BBC, but for a start, all the rounds are sponsored. It's like the McDonald's joust and the Asda marathon and all this (laughs) stuff. really the icing on the cake. Even though I'm sure it did raise more money for charity. It's just like, oh, God, you're making it tackier somehow. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, if there were commercial breaks, you could come back off each break and actually explain with a bit of scripting, maybe a VT, you know, what charity is going to benefit and what's going to happen in the game. That's what would happen now. But Mm. this is just this epic like two hours like obviously it was a whole day's worth of activities that they've edited down into two hours but it's just completely baffling (laughs) with even the crowd getting less and less enthusiastic as the day goes on you know you can hear actual cheers at the beginning and And actual cheers by the end yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but look one thing that isn't cheap is the lineup of stars who they managed to assemble which is nothing short of Incredible. Okay, let's let's choose like five each and you won't believe these people were all at the same event. Okay, go. <laughs> okay, yeah. Don't think about okay. it, just say. Yeah, <laughs> Superman, uh, you know, the original <laughs> Superman, <laughs> Christopher Reeve, not yeah. the comic book character. Amazing. Tom Jones, Meat Loaf, yeah. uh, Cliff Richard, Jackie Stewart. Right, yes, <laughs> Rebecca, give us five. Annika Rice yeah. was involved. Sheena Easton. Griff Reese Jones. Yes. Um, in tights. Uh, Nigel Mansell. Yes, Nigel Mansell. So 80s. One more, um, one more, one more. Uh, what's his name? Jeff Capes. Yes. Yes. World's but this, strongest what's man. really funny about it is like, I, there's you like haven't two even mentioned that. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You haven't mentioned John Travolta. <laughs> oh my John gosh, yes. Travolta was at the same event as Les Dawson. I mean, that is <laughs> take the royal family out of it. Just that is incredible. Yeah. And then also, I think because of the way that everyone's having fun, you know, these are celebrities blowing off steam and having some downtime. But up against the royals, there's something deeply uncomfortable about that. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, it raised £1.5 million, which I was like, oh, that doesn't seem like a huge amount considering the enormous amount of backlash and damage it supposedly did to the royal <laughs> brand. But yeah. 18 million people watched in the UK, making it the fourth most watched programme of 1987, and a total of 400 million people watched around the world. I mean, obviously, whether or not that's a good thing is dependent on whether you saw it as a humanising bit of fun for a good cause or the total debasement of the British monarchy. I mean, the Mirror's royal correspondent, James Whitaker, said, if you really had to pin down where it all went wrong, I would always point to it's a royal knockout. There was this defining moment that came at the very end of the show where journalists gathered into this press tent to see Prince Edward and he asked them what should have been a fairly simple question. He said, I can only hope that you've enjoyed yourselves. Have you? But the thing was that the the press hadn't been allowed to watch it and so there was this really awkward silence because presumably no one knew what to say because they hadn't seen what had just taken place. Mm. And the prince then responded, well, thanks for sounding so bloody enthusiastic. And you could just feel this, like, 
Oh no, the wheels have fallen off. Yes. <laughs> it's a small little pivotal moment that, isn't it? Because of course that's so influenced in a world before Twitter. I mean, Twitter would have had a field day with this event, obviously. But that so influenced the coverage of the event. The papers the next day were hinting that it could be something of a disaster. That was the story. Prince Andrew mm. flounces out of press conference when the public didn't get to see it until the Saturday night. They didn't get to see it till the edited version. So mm. what could have been more hype... You know, if Prince Andrew had turned up in the press tent, you know, with Meatloaf on one hand and Barbara Windsor on the other, he probably would have got really good coverage, wouldn't he? <laughs> that would have been quite unlikely from what I understand because uh, Meatloaf claims that Prince Andrew tried to push him in the moat because he'd become jealous that Fergie had taken a bit of a shine to him and Meatloaf, who was at the time dressed in this fake suit of armour, mm. responded apparently by grabbing the Duke who reportedly moaned back, you can't touch me, I'm royal. And Meatloaf said back to him, well, you try to push me in the moat, Jack. I don't give a sh- who you are, you're going in the moat. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I'm starting to get a bad feeling about Prince Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. He was over-egging it to make himself and his tail look a bit more grand. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.